Welcome to the Human Design Collective Podcast, where we explore this system as a unique map of our potential, from the mundane to the mystical. If you're looking to dive deeper into human design, we invite you to our Living Your Design Workshop. You can start the course at any time and participate in live meetings with John Cole and Amy Lee. The next foundation course, the Rave ABCs, explores the circuitry of the body graph and the structure behind the hexagrams of the I Ching. It is the beginning of truly seeing the mechanics of the Maya, the energetic dynamics that shape our experience. Our next Rave ABCs live online nine-week course begins January 13th, 2021. For more information, go to courses.humandesigncollective.com. Our spotlight episodes take a quick look into the core design concepts and questions from our listeners. If you are new to human design, these can offer insight into the foundation of the system. And if you're more experienced or have gotten lost in the details, these are reminders of what is simple and essential. If you have a specific question for us to discuss, you can submit it by going to humandesigncollective.com or see the show notes. Today we're talking about definition and what we can see and learn from the chart when we understand what the definition and the design is really showing us. So John, can you start by explaining where do we see the definition in the chart? Yeah, when we look at the body graph and we're looking at definition, we see that there are certain things that are colored in in the body graph and there are certain things that are not colored in. You may see colored in gates or activated gates. You can see colored in centers and then the, the lines or the channels that are connecting those centers can also be colored in. And generally speaking, definition refers to everything that's colored in or activated in the body graph. Taking it a step further, what we're really looking at are the defined centers and the channels that are connecting those defined centers. You can have gates in the defined center, which are activated that are, are not part of a channel and those would still be considered the definition. And that's in contrast to the open centers or the centers that show up as white in the chart. And they may have gates activated in there while they're technically part of your definition in that they are characteristics that you carry as part of your imprinting. They're looked at more as what are called dormant potentials. Are these parts of ourselves that tend to get activated or integrated into part of our awareness or experience through our interactions with others and the larger program. I think the simplest way to start looking at definition would be just to look at the defined channels and the defined centers, because it's the channels which really represent the life force. It's a situation where we have a gate on either side of the channel with a planetary activation in it, and together they are creating what's referred to as a quantum where the, the total is greater than the sum of the parts. And that quantum represents the life force. It's basically what's fixed, consistent and reliable in our being or our experience. So when we see that channel definition and the centers that are defined through that, we're really seeing the characteristics and the themes and the energies that emanate from us and that are part of our consistent nature. And the beauty of that is it shows us what is unchangeable about us. It shows us what's always there, these particular themes and these particular energies. And that's why these are the things that we can refer to 
or move toward when we're looking at how to navigate life for ourselves. The definition gives us a sense of our inner authority and our type and our strategy. So it's out of the definition that we can see where you go to make decisions and to move through life as yourself. By nature, the defined aspects of our design are not easy to influence. They can be distorted, but they're really not here to be altered or diminished or gotten rid of. Yeah, it's almost like the definition is pointing to what we are, where you see the openness or what's not colored in in the chart would be what we're not. And so a lot of this becomes about recognizing and accepting what we are through the definition. And you could say aligning with that or accepting it or just allowing that to be without it being a problem or, you know, the example that comes to mind is like someone who has, say, for example, the channel of struggle. And one of the things that has come up in our sessions as, as we've worked with people is, you know, people will look at that and say like, well, isn't struggle bad or I don't want to struggle. I shouldn't be struggling. But if you actually have that definition, if you have that channel defined in your chart, you're here to struggle correctly. And part of that process of acceptance is to see that or to understand that on a certain level and then to embrace it. So the definition, again, points us back to what we are, what's consistent, what's reliable for us, what our type, strategy, and authority is based on. And we can use that as something of a point of reference to offset the conditioning and the influences and everything that's coming in from the outside. Yeah, I think what's interesting is that when we see our definition, it's actually showing us what our gifts are. Those are the things that we're gifted with being able to consistently express in life. And yet by nature, they're also very fixed and very limited. For example, if you have the channel of struggle, it doesn't mean that you're here to struggle with everything and everyone. If you don't have a grounding or a rooting in your nature and you're pulled by outer influences, then you might find that you tend to struggle with everything and everyone. But if you're rooted in the definition, you'll find that your strategy and your authority will actually lead you, will guide you to those things, those people, those situations where your gift for being able to struggle in order to find meaning and purpose is most beneficial and useful and fulfilling for you and for the people around you. And that's when a gift like that becomes something that's empowering, not only for you, but for whoever's involved in what you're doing. So the limitation of that, and it's funny because a lot of us don't like the word limitation, or we might not like to feel like we're limited or confined in some ways. And I've even heard people say that they, they don't like things like human design or other kinds of systems that, that seem to sort of limit us by pointing us to a specific nature. But the value of it is that if we can see that in ourselves, and if we can recognize and human design is really something for us each to get to recognize as true for ourselves, if it is. If we can see that and align with that, then it will show us where that gift is of value. And we'll find that 
it's actually something that's very specific. It's meant for specific situations and specific people. So if you're a generator, for example, and you have that channel, it's through your gut response. It's through your energetic, natural engagement with things that you'll discover what to struggle with. And then that struggle in and of itself will feel satisfying to you. And it's not a problem. Other people might look at it from the outside and think, wow, that looks hard, or that looks like a big risk, or why are you wrestling with that so much? I wouldn't want to wrestle with that so much. If I don't have that channel, it wouldn't be natural to me to interact with life that way. But if it's yours, and if it's aligned with your response, if it's aligned with the rest of your nature, then it becomes exactly what makes your life feel purposeful and meaningful. So it's very important and it's part of your gift. It's part of the gift that you've been given. Yeah, I like what you're getting at there. It's pointing to this idea of the correct expression or an aligned expression of oneself. And the body graph can give us a lot of information about what that looks like. Like the 1858, another channel that runs from the root to the spleen. This is the channel of judgment and a design of insatiability. If you have that channel, it's both natural and correct for you to perfect things, to keep working at something and to, to make it better. But what can happen a lot is that that frequency gets distorted. It's getting distorted usually by, you could say that the not self tendencies that tend to show up in the open center. So if someone has an open ego, for example, and they have the 5818 and they're here to correct, but they are being fueled by this sense of unworthiness or needing to prove something, they may take that into their personal relationships. They may take that into situations where they're actually not being asked or invited to correct something because the 1858 is a projected channel. And it's also a collective channel that's meant to be used out in the world, not necessarily you know, on an individual basis where you either turn that towards yourself or a, a tribal family situation where you're just correcting everyone around you all the time. But by looking at the body graph on a deeper level and seeing some of these other elements, like whether it's collective or it's a projected channel, that can show us where this energy tends to express best or its correct expression. Yeah, I think that's an important point because it shows us that the authority of our design is what's really there to show us almost like the rulership of the design. Where's the throne? Where's the inner sense of authority for you? If that authority is rooted in your nature, then it will be motivated in a way that functions well and that doesn't elicit resistance from the people around you. If it's motivated, like you said, by something like an open ego that is conditioned to try to prove its value and its place and its worth in the world, then we might use that gift of judgment to be constantly trying to prove to other people that we have value. I have value because I can correct you. I have value because I can fix this thing. And so I'm going to poke it into all kinds of situations and interactions where it's not actually welcome. 
if instead we're aligned with the strategy and with the authority, then we'll know that we can wait for the right circumstances, the right invitation, or the right thing to respond to that we can then engage with. And then that gift of judgment is welcomed by the people around us, or it's received by the situations that we're applying it to. And that creates a kind of natural flow and a natural sense that that capacity for judgment, that capacity for correction, and even the joy and the vitality and the pleasure that comes out of fixing and improving things is something that's wanted. And it's something that isn't resisted. You can even feel in that kind of a situation, being judgmental or being critical or having a critical eye doesn't have to be a problem. The funny thing is that if you do have a definition like that, that is connected to a certain kind of awareness through the spleen that's always on. So if you have that channel, for example, you're probably the kind of person who's constantly seeing what's wrong. You're constantly seeing what could be fixed or what could be better. And just because you see it doesn't mean it's correct to act on it. The action or the engagement would come out of listening and aligning with the strategy and authority. So as we talk about this, you can start to see how these core pieces, and these are the most basic elements of design, and they might sound very simple, but they're very impactful in our lives mm -hmm. if we actually use them and play with them at this very simple level, it can kind of clean up our lives. It can clean up a lot of the interactions that can become really messy, confusing, resistance-filled, conflict-filled, and that create situations where we feel like we have to work really hard to make things function. We have to work really hard to figure out what our place is. We have to work really hard to get people to see us or to do what it is we think we want to do. If we bring it back to this really simple, just pay attention to your strategy and authority, then those gifts can come out in a really natural, functional, healthy way. And we can appreciate that about ourselves. And that's part of what helps foster this sense of self-love and knowing that knowing that we have in, that we have value inherently because our gifts are able to flow and able to function. Yeah, that self-love and self-acceptance piece is so big. And I see it extending into our relationships, into our interpersonal relationships, where if we can understand someone else's definition, like for example, still with the 5818, if we are in a relationship with someone who has that channel to understand that that is correct for them to be correcting, but to be correcting according to their definition, their strategy and authority. You know, it's interesting too, with the 58, you know, that's one of the gates of mundane love. One of the ways that someone who has that definition might express their love is by correcting. But if you're not being asked, you know, again, this kind of distortion of that expression through the not self or through, you know, some sort of open center theme, then it really gets kind of gunky it doesn't really work the same way. And it's not going to feel the same way on the other end in terms of how it's being received. It's this, this kind of thing that I've been seeing a lot where we look at the body graph and if we're looking at, say, the not self or the true self and looking at things in terms of that, 
we usually will go straight to the open centers is like, okay, this, this is all not self, but the definition can be distorted into kind of a not self expression through this relationship with the openness that we're pointing at. And you can feel the difference. Actually, you can feel when like, for example, switching over to the solar plexus, to the emotional process. If someone is doing their work, processing their emotions or with their emotional process and whatever that looks like, it may feel, even though it can be uncomfortable or it can be intense, it may feel cleaner or just more easy to digest to the open solar plexus person who's taking on that energy, where if it's the emotional process is is all twisted up or distorted, it's a little bit like there's this image that comes to mind. It's kind of like just pulling the, the junk or gunk out of like a, a bathroom sink. It's just like, what is all that versus a clean expression of either anger or sadness or, or pain or hurt. It takes the blame out of everything in, in a way, if you can just see what's going on. Yeah. I think you're pointing to the deconditioning process. And this is a lot of what happens when we, start to recognize these different themes within us and we start to look at how do they function a huge part of most uh, strategies in human design include the word weight and the waiting is really about being able to slow down and take our time and pay attention and not just act compulsively but to watch and to see how these things naturally get drawn out of us and how they can naturally serve us and the people around us. The process of deconditioning gives us an opportunity to degunk ourselves, to to go with the, the way you were describing it. It gives us a chance to kind of clean out from whatever compulsive habits we might have around how we deal with these energies in ourselves. And that can take time. That's why any good human design guide will say, don't just believe in your design or what you're told by an analyst or what you read about your design. Don't just believe in it and then try to perform it perfectly. It's not about that. It's really about getting to experiment with it slow down, get in touch with our bodies, learn to play with the intelligence that's coming through the body, through the strategy and authority, so that we can see how is this thing designed to work? You know, that takes some patience, I think, and some gentleness in our attitude toward ourselves to let ourselves just play with it and and then start to discover that each of these things, no matter what they sound like from the outside, is a real gift. Yeah, it is. The other thing we're looking at here in terms of definition is how the definition is basically pointing back to the body in some way in that you can have head definition, for example, like a mental projector, but there's no inner authority. That's a different process, but all of the other authorities, they exist in the body with the exception of the reflector and the mental projector. And so what we're looking at is getting back to the body through the definition and out of mental decision-making where the mind is constantly trying to control, manipulate, or drive the life. And so 
something like strategy and authority tends to be like an interrupt almost. It's like the waiting you're talking about. It's a moment to stop, to wait, to see, as you're saying, and not just let that continual mental program try to assert control over the life and operate from that place. Yeah, it's a great point because if we go back to those channels we brought up, if you look at a frequency like struggling, an energy like struggling or an energy like judging or fixing, we might feel that drive within us. I mean, those are both driven channels. They're connected to our our drive to act. So we might feel those things come up in us. The referring back to strategy and authority gives us a moment to pause. And instead of just jumping in to start wrestling with something or just jumping in to tell other people what we see that needs to be fixed, we actually have that moment of pause to check in and say, did anybody ask? (laughs) (laughs) And if they did ask, is my energy actually available for this exchange right now? that I feel drawn to this or that I feel an aliveness come up in me in relation to this. So it points back to that pause as an opportunity to check in with our own body's guidance that's telling us really whether or not we're available for this interaction and whether or not other people are available for this interaction. And if we check in with that first, then we'll know if that gift has a place here and now. And if not, we can just keep waiting, you know, or move on to the next thing. Right. And so if you're looking at your own chart, a interesting place to start might be just to look at what's colored in. When you see a colored in center, you see a colored in channel or an activated gate in a center to experiment with kind of reframing your attitude or your orientation to yourself as what is colored in is me. It's correct for me. It's part of who I am. It's part of what I'm here to express in this world. It's a gift that I have to offer. And no one else can offer it quite like you do. That's kind of the whole point is like, this is you, this is your potential. And by aligning with your potential through strategy and authority and through the deconditioning process, it ends up being something of a, a contribution or gift to others, to the collective, or even to oneself, just creates this natural sense of self-empowerment. And so I feel like a lot of this just keeps coming back to this concept of self-love and acceptance, that if, if we can't start from that place, it's really hard to get a footing doing anything else or in any other parts of the system, or just, you know, in terms of how we're living our life. Yeah, I think it's a great point. If we don't get some traction with actually applying and experimenting with these basic pieces of design, then it doesn't matter how much detail you learn about all your lines and your gates and whatever else, whatever other details you could get into in design, they don't really mean much unless we're practicing and playing with these basic elements. And they're pointing to exactly what you said. It's pointing to our uniqueness and that the uniqueness of what we are and the specific gifts that we have are very particular. And what each of us is, is not for everyone everywhere all the time. 
And it's through our body's intelligence that we can know when it's the right time, the right place, the right people, the right moment, the right availability to be able to express what we have to express. Yeah, I think that's a good place to leave it. When we move forward, we'll look more into openness as the counterpoint to definition. And these two concepts of definition and openness work together within the context of the whole person and the whole chart. There is no right or wrong, good or bad in any of this. And human design really is a no blame system. And so I feel like a lot of this is just about how we're framing things or how we're looking at things and understanding the openness in one's definition and the themes that may come up with that can be a very helpful part of that process. Thank you for listening to the Human Design Collective podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please review us and share. For more information about us and to connect with others on this experimental journey, please visit us at humandesigncollective.com. You can also learn more by exploring our course and workshop offerings at courses.humandesigncollective.com. Music for the Human Design Collective podcast, courtesy of Role Model. For more information, see the show notes. And please stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the same channel. Thank you.